Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love, grace, and mercy. Thank you for everything, Lord. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for writing our names in the Lamb's Book of Life. Thank you for the faith to believe. Not just for salvation, but for the, that you love us, that you we're forgiven, that we're redeemed. Give us understanding. Thank you that grace and peace can be multiplied in our lives through the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's what we're in pursuit of, Lord. Everybody wants peace. Everybody wants grace. You say in your word that it can be multiplied in our lives through the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. So we are getting to know the real Jesus. That's the instruction you've given me. That we all might be helped by that. Healed everywhere we hurt. Empowered by your promises. Loved with an everlasting love. And prospered in ways that go beyond the understanding of this natural world. Which thinks prosperity is only about things. And then we're going to go help others with that same help we've received. Thank you, Lord, for this word today. And thank you for breaking the yoke that hinder people and hurt people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So let's uh, hope everybody enjoyed their Thanksgiving. I did. We didn't have to do it at my house this year. My daughter had it in her house, and it was really awesome. I did cook, have to cook turkey and dressing, and my wife had to make a couple things, but it was awesome. I hope you all had a wonderful time. You know, as Christians, we're, uh, we're, uh, Peter calls us peculiar. <laughs> Boy, I, I know that feeling. And what he was doing is he wasn't making a slanderous remark. He was trying to encourage those of us who feel a little peculiar, like we just don't, like we're just a square peg in a round hole in this old world. And as the closer you get to the Lord, the more you feel like that. I, I I felt like that my whole life. I was lonely in a crowded room my whole life. And I dealt with that depression and rejection and all that other ugly, you know, dumb stuff. Condemnation. But that was the negative side. Now, on this side of things, I've gone from death unto life. And, and now I feel peculiar and... And and out of place because this isn't my home. <laughs> I'm just here recruiting, and uh, that's a good thing. You know, I I never have uh, since I've come to know the Lord. I can't uh, I can't get over the amount of people that I meet that the people that they care about and honestly love. They all they want for them is to be happy. Now, listen, that's not a bad thing. <laughs> I don't want anybody to be unhappy. But I'm going to tell you this, that ain't the main thing. 
we are, we're only here for a flicker. I don't care if you live to be 120, which you're entitled to. <laughs> Moses was 120 years old. His natural strength was not abated, nor his eyesight dimmed. And we have a better covenant with better promises. So why not? That's why Adam and Eve lived so long. Nobody told them how to get sick and die. (laughs) I don't know if I want to be 900 though. (laughs) All you are to be with Jesus. I want to come on and hang out with y'all by then. But as Christians, we are, we need to be different. Jesus says in here a scripture that I never hear any preacher preach on. He says, Be ye perfect, therefore, as your Father in heaven is perfect. And everybody just skips right over that. Nobody's perfect. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Anybody that's doing that Bible study with Sister Ann, I know some of you are are starting to learn that. Really, before that one, we should do spirit, soul, and body, but it's kind of tied in there. You're never going to understand the love of God that Jeff was talking about and really believe it all the time until you understand that you're three-part being. Spirit, soul, and body, and, and I'm not preaching on that today. But as a Christian, we need to have... Let me back up about that. I just skipped right over that perfection thing. See, I don't want to talk about it either. (laughs) In your spirit, you are perfect. But but really what he was addressing is... And let me just tell you this. In in the natural, we're not ever going to be perfect, you know. We're going to make mistakes and we're not supposed to be condemned over that. We're not supposed to keep our mind on those things that we make mistakes on. We just go to the Lord with it. Lord, I dropped the ball right there. I'm sorry. Let's move on. And he goes, let's go. Okay. So, but in your spirit, you have been perfected. And God is a spirit. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, etc., etc. But Jesus was really talking about our attitudes and relationships. And... When it comes to that, as a Christian, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, as a true believer, not just a churchgoer or someone who's religious, which religion never saved anybody, but as a true believer, you're not going to ever be perfect in this life, but you should be willing to be perfected. In other words, you don't, you may not ever arrive, but you need to leave the dock and head in that direction. Amen. And is that okay, you know? Because the Word does that for you. And faith to faith to faith, you're becoming just like Jesus. And you need to consider yourself as part of a larger thing than yourself. Part of a whole, a whole body. The whole church worldwide is the body of Christ. That's your family. Whether your earthly family ever becomes part of that family or not we pray they all do that's why it's so important that you don't just 
be satisfied that they're just happy and whatever they want to do with their spiritual life, that's up to them. That's that's so silly. I mean, you can't force anybody. I'm not saying that, but these people that say, "Well, I'm not even going to expose them to it or mention it to them till they're till they get a, to adults," that's a private thing, and then they can decide on their own. That's from that's from the devil. The Bible says we're supposed to raise up these kids in the fear and admonition of the Lord, not afraid of, but fear as in holy reverence and awe and respect. Most of us weren't raised that way. Some of you might have been raised in godly families, but most Christians weren't. Just face it, this is a broken, broken, broken world. And just thank God he got hold of us when he did. Amen? But we need to see ourselves as part of something much larger than ourselves alone. And that there are people all over the world that are going through the same things you are in your Christian life. Same struggles, same questions, the same hardships, the same joy and blessings. And, and just, just know that you're a part of a, a larger thing. And, but God still knows every little detail of your life and he's interested. And we need to be relatable to others. This is where a lot of people have gotten off the boat. I, I, there are, I don't know, it's a large percentage of spirit-filled, I mean, Holy Ghost-filled, born-again, tongue-talking believers who don't even attend church. And that's, that's a sin. Hey, listen, when I say things are a sin, I'm, I hope you know by now that your sins are forgiven. Okay, so I'm just calling out what it is. I mean, not doing, doing bad things. We all know that's, that's a sin, right? Like we put, but you know that it just not doing the things that you know that are good, that's a sin. I mean, come on, man. The list is up there. That's why Jesus, he, 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 he spelled it out so plainly because these guys would go around in his day bragging about how they kept all these Ten Commandments. They were all lying. Because nobody ever did except him. So he would say things like, oh, really? <laughs> uh, you never committed adultery, huh? No. Well, you ever thought about it? You ever looked at a woman like that? Well, then you've committed it. What? what? <laughs> I've never committed murder. No, really. You ever been mad enough at your brother, at somebody to, to kill him? What? Then you've committed murder in your heart. Oh, and the disciples were like, who, who can be saved? <laughs> he, said, he said, with man it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And it's only because of Jesus. You know, oh man, if I go down that trail, All right, I won't do it this week. Take too long. You know we've we've entered into the beginning phases of a third great awakening in this nation. And if you don't know what that is, go study it out. Just Google it or something, and then believe half of what you read, <laughs> unless it's from a unless it's from a somebody you trust. But an awakening 
and a revival are different. See, a revival will re- revive a person. It'll, it'll refresh a person. It'll bring a person back into the fold of God. It'll, it'll bless a person, individuals. But an awakening will awaken an entire culture, an entire nation, a city, you see. And that's what's going to be happening Sometimes it can take years for it to develop and come about. You see this, you remember the wokeness? That was Satan's attempt, the counterfeit of the awakening that God is bringing in this country. I said I wasn't going to do this. Uh, but just so you know, all the, all the lies and deceptions that Satan has been peddling through his news media and through his politicians and all this other nonsense. Calling evil good. You see, he wants you to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil apart from the tree of life. That's what Satan wanted. We don't even know what's good without God. There was a rich young ruler that went to Jesus and said, Good... Good master, what must I do to be saved? He said, and Jesus said the funniest thing, what do you call me good? There's nobody good but God. He was right in calling him good, but Jesus knew that he didn't know it. So either call me God or quit calling me good. Because we don't know good apart from God. And that's what the world is trying to do. Is to decide on its own what's good apart from God. And that's what births wokeness and all this lies and deception. Calling evil, the very evil things that God hates and abhors because they destroy His people... They calling it good and trying to mandate and force you to call it good. The awakening is going to reverse that curse. And God, just like people went out and started taking back their school boards all around the country and things like that and saying, hey, and you see this young man just uh, tried to protect his, his own life. Uh, you know, they wanted to put him in jail and throw away the key and he got off. Things are beginning to turn. People are going, wait a minute. And see, this awakening is going to awaken a nation and show them again, hey, and turn them back to God and say, hey, man, this enough of this nonsense has gone too far and God is going to start pulling the veil back and helping them to see the truth. And you're going to see an entire nation turn back to the goodness and mercy and love of God. Amen. One of the greatest tools to staying full of God is, uh, you know, of His love and His peace and His uh, blessing and provision on your life is to is to be thankful, to praise Him. He inhabits the praises of His people, right? And as Christians, thankfulness is our spiritual thermometer. I would say. 
it may be the greatest indicator of where we are in our Christian walk. Why? Because there's a danger in a thankless heart. Um, Go to Romans, if you have your Bibles, chapter 1, first page of Romans. And Paul is talking about this. Uh, I don't want to read too much of it. I'll just start at the 18th verse and read for a minute, and then I'll just say a couple of things. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. People tell you that they don't believe in God. They may not anymore, but at one time they knew he existed because he, he told them, he showed them. For his invisible attributes, namely his, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. But they became futile in their thinking. This is where they figured it out on their own, apart from God. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up to the lusts of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For the women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passions for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, and malice, or meanness. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They're gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die... They not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Sound familiar? Therefore, you have no excuse, old man. Every one of you who judges for etc., etc. So I'm going to stop because I, I don't want to go too long with that. But in the 21st verse, it says, although they knew God. So they, everybody knows God at some point. They, they may not have a relationship with God, but he's saying he's made himself known to them. 
He, they know that there was a God at some point in, li- in their life, but they didn't honor Him or give thanks to God. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. So this is the condition of someone who's, who has hardened their hearts or waxed cold, like we say, over time it takes to dip that string so many times, you know, until it becomes a candle. And that's what happens. It, it's not a, just all at once. It happens by just stiff-arming God, turning your back on God, ignoring the voice of God, ignoring the things of God for a long period of time. And still, God in His mercy, in His love for us. I mean, man, I... I I was way past the age where you would think, I mean, I was one of those who had gotten so far gone and so long down that road. I said, well, it's too, you know, whatever it's going to be will be. I made my bed. I'm going to lie in it. And, uh, you know, that's it. But that wasn't true because there was still something in me that was sensitive to God and I still wanted God. And as long as there's that spark, as long as there's something that can still reach a person, they still respond in a positive way to to God and the things of God, then there's always hope. It's not God who turns people away when anyone who stands in front of that white throne judgment, which won't be any of you, it'll be because they chose to reject God. He didn't reject them. They rejected Him until their hearts grew callous and cold to Him and they couldn't even hear Him anymore. And they began thinking that evil was good and and, and made up their own set of uh, rules and regulations on how to do it. And even if they did, in the back of their minds, still know and believe that there's a God, they start just rationalizing it and say, well, I'm just going to do the best I can and you know, I believe I've done pretty good, you know, and he'll accept me. Well, that's nothing could be further from the truth. Good people go to hell. Philanthropists go to hell. Good old boys go to hell. And they're not always in a better place now. Just because they were the best guy you ever knew, best girl you ever knew. And that's sad and it's hard to take sometimes. But the worst thing you can do, well, if God reject them, then I don't want to be with him either. Okay. If you say so. The alternative is grim, though. <laughs> That's just the truth of it, folks. First Thessalonians five, sixteen through eighteen, says, "Rejoice always." He said, "That's that's hard to do." Pray without ceasing. Oh, well, am I supposed to go around mumbling like a dang idiot all day? Listen, God is not weird, and He's not unreasonable. And really, you know what he's saying. You know, there should always be things that you're praying and believing for and folks you're praying and believing for. Throughout the day, you're going to be thinking about something. You can go to work and work all day and party all night and worry about stuff or think about negative stuff. You can think about God and His goodness and His promises and His provision and His peace and His love and joy. And that's a fact. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You say, well, that is just not normal. How can I give thanks 
in the face of real adversity or trials and tribulations or when tragedies happen? Am I supposed to just stand up at a funeral and start praising God? Again, God ain't weird, man. So don't you be. (laughs) You know what he's saying. You really do. There's always something to be thankful for. And the best way for you to fix the things that are going wrong is to find the strength to lift up those heavy arms when things are the worst and praise God and give Him thanks and give Him glory for the things that you do have, for the things that aren't wrong, etc., etc., etc. There are a lot of things that can reveal in us an attitude of ingratitude. The trials of life, obviously, loss, confrontation, even things that are seemingly good, uh, wealth, success. You know, we need to forget about a lot of the disappointments in life and also a lot of the victories. Uh, This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. You go to bed dead dog tired and say, man, I just don't know how I could do tomorrow. Well, he didn't ask you to do tomorrow yet. You don't know if you're going to get tomorrow yet. If you'll just get to sleep, he promises that joy will come in the morning. If you allow it and just see it as a, okay, this is a new day. This is the day now the Lord has made. Let me go spend all the grace that He gives me for today. Tomorrow got enough troubles and worries of its own. I'm just one of His sheep. I wasn't meant to carry pack on my back. Lord, what would you have me to do today? Lead me, guide me. Let me always be in the right place at the right time to receive your favor and blessings. Lord, help me to always keep you first place in my life, in my marriage, in my family, in my finances, in my health. Just show me. I don't want to do anything without you. But I'm going to head off in this direction. And if it's not where you want me to go, please make the course corrections. Help me to hear you clearly. This is good, honest stuff. This is a real relationship with a God who's really listening. He's really listening. I can prove it a thousand times over. I can prove it to you. Those, that story they told this morning, that is nothing new. If people really understood the power in this room, and even if we all understood the power that we have, there would be lines around the block and down the feeder road to get in here to receive their healing, to receive their miracle. Does God heal today? Every time I pray for somebody, He heals them. What do you mean? There's people that aren't here today because they're sick. Yeah, some of them have never even asked me to pray for them. Not blaming anyone. Other times, listen, it's not God who's stuck. It's us. Our receivers are a little off sometimes. Is that a condemning thing? I had open heart surgery. God would have preferred to do it supernaturally. He would have preferred I didn't get myself in that condition to start with. 
<laughs> with his temple. But then he would have preferred I would have the faith to receive it supernaturally. Does he love me any less? Does he think is he ever going to mention that to me? No. It doesn't work like that. That's why it's not condemning to know that, yeah, it's your fault sometimes that you're not getting what you need. Have not because you ask not. And then when you do ask, you just want to use it on your own selfish, you know, things like that. But there's a lot of things controlling healing and answered prayer. Sometimes we have things to do with it. Sometimes there's a spiritual war going on. Read the book of Daniel. I can show you that there is some form of time in the spiritual realm as well. One time Daniel prayed, and it took about three or four minutes for the angel to get there. And he said, from the moment you set your heart to pray, the Lord sent me with the answer. In other words, it took him a few minutes to get there. He said, so? Even I can pray and believe that long. Another day, it took a time it took 21 days for him to get there. Angel said the same thing from the first day. I think it was from the first moment that he began to pray. God sent him with the answer. But he said, but so he was opposed in the heavenlies. There was a fight took place. And he had to call an archangel to come and help him to whoop some butt. True story. There are things happening. There are reasons for things. But people think if they don't get the answer to their prayer by the time they stop praying, then they got to figure it out on their own. Or sometimes no is an answer. Not really. Not if you're praying the will of God. Jesus provided our healing. Just like he provided our prosperity and peace and love and joy 2,000 years ago. Now, we can spend this life learning how to tap into it. And you'll get better at it. You will get better at it. You'll get better at receiving from God. As you learn to have a track record in your mind of his faithfulness. Amen. Or oh me. Sometimes we just forget to remember God and His goodness. The cares of this world, pride, self-sufficiency. The list of challenges goes on and on and on. We're all familiar. I want to point out a passage of Scripture so you all know that it's not just me up here talking. Luke chapter 17 This one is probably familiar to you. Some of you may read. Luke chapter 17, verse 11 through 19. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. He being Jesus. And as he entered a village, he met ten lepers. Who stood at a distance. By law, they had to. And lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, 
when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. The translation in the English doesn't do that passage of Scripture all the justice it needs. But in the 18th verse, it says, Jesus said, The thankful man glorified God, or praised God. He said, praise God in a loud voice. The King James says he returned and glorified God. Giving thanks to God is glorifying Him. Amen. Amen. Just a few things out of that passage of Scripture. Giving thanks, number one, glorifies God. That's a good thing. (laughs) He deserves it. Amen. It means you acknowledge God as the fountain, the source of your blessings. Amen. Amen. So, it's acknowledging that, that God and His ability is what raised you up, is what healed you up, is what fixed you up, and you didn't do it in your own strength. It's saying... Great theological phrase right here. It's simplistic, but it means a lot. If you grasp it and agree with it, there is only one God, and you're not Him. (laughs) We didn't make ourselves. Amen? Psalm 100, verse 3 says, Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His, We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Jeremiah 6.23, which I quote often, says, The way of man is not within himself. That is not within within man who walks to direct his own steps. In other words, we're not supposed to figure it all out. We're not supposed to be planning our own lives without consulting God. We don't know the difference in good and evil, not really, without God. You say, oh, yes, I do. To some degree, you do. But that's because of God's influence on our culture. All the way from Plymouth Rock. When they tried to... Well, that was God's... Remember his solution to what the atrocities they had done the year before in, in 1619 in Virginia. But that pirated slave ship. A person that glorifies God by always giving him thanks won't have that hardened heart that it talks about in Romans chapter 1 towards God and others. You always want to have a tender, sensitive heart toward God. And this is something that just takes time 
And it takes prayer. It takes a relationship. You alone have to work on that vertical relationship. There are two beams on that cross. A vertical one and a horizontal one. If this one is all screwed up, your relationships and attitudes in this life, fix this beam first. Then this one will straighten out. A person who doesn't give thanks to God is someone who has effectively dethroned him and placed themselves on his throne. And we need to let Jesus have his rightful place in our lives. And the way we do that, we start doing that, is by just giving him thanks. Thanking him for all of his goodness. I don't think that those nine lepers were all particularly bad. I mean, that's a pretty exciting thing that just happened to them. No telling how long they had been outcasts away from their family and friends and loved ones and unable to do anything good or bad. You know what I mean? So they're just a little preoccupied with themselves at the moment. I mean, think about it. We might not have done any different. Their desires to go be where they wanted to be, to go see their families. And by doing so, they neglected to express their gratitude to the one responsible for their well-being. Amen. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) And again, God doesn't put these stories in the Bible to make people look bad or feel bad. I mean, think about David. When we see him in heaven, you know, (laughs) I mean, that's not uh, the thing he did with Bathsheba. That wasn't particularly a nice story. I'm sure he's not proud of that. But since he's with the Lord now, I know that he's glad that the story's in here because it's helped a lot of folks. Huh? A lot of people, relatively few people, who receive the Lord's blessings and goodness ever return to him to give him thanks. So these lepers weren't too uncommon, actually. But, you know, even though we're not always thankful, the Lord still wants to do good. He still does good in our lives, in spite of us, doesn't He? He does what's right for people. He says that He makes His rain fall on the just and the unjust. Rain being a good thing in farming terms, okay. And it's the goodness of God that brings repentance. That's why out there preaching people into hell and with hellfire and brimstone and all that, it might be true. It's not the gospel. Turn or burn. <clears throat> true. Has that ever saved anybody? Nope. <laughs> the gospel is the good news. That's what it means. It's hard to find a word for it in English. It's the almost too good to be true news. <laughs> It is. That's exactly what it is. But he healed 
those lepers anyway. All ten of them, didn't he? The one that was thankful, the nine who weren't. He still healed them all. He met their physical needs. But the one was made whole. That's what that last word in that is. It's a different word besides well or healed. It's it's an overall wholeness. In other words, he was saved and healed. Mm -hmm. That's in the 19th verse. So the Lord's concerned about our physical needs. He says so in Matthew 6.30. It says he, he even dresses the flowers and the grass of the field. He, what makes you think He's not going to take care of you? So he, want, he knows about your physical needs. And He says, don't even worry about those things. If you just put Me first, I'll take care of all that. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things that the world chases after will be added to you. How easy is that? Why don't we all just do it? It's just hard to let go of that control, isn't it? What if he doesn't? What if he does? He hadn't never lied yet. Spirit, soul, and body. If we could just understand... Spirit, soul, and body. That's why it's the first, it's a fundamental teaching of Karis Bible College and from Andrew. And like if we're going to do Bible studies and stuff like that, I, I said that it's fine to do that one. So don't get me wrong because it's all still included in there. And I teach enough about spirit, soul, and body. But if you don't understand spirit, soul, and body, you'll never understand how God can really love you. Like we talk about Him doing. Because He doesn't look at you after the flesh like we look at each other. He doesn't look at you after the things you've done. He doesn't see that as who you are. He sees you after the Spirit. And he either sees Adam or he sees Jesus. And if you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then every time you're thinking about your sin, when God looks at you, He, instead of hearing the blood of, of Abel crying out from the ground for vengeance, he hears the blood of Jesus crying out from the altar right there in the presence of God and the holy angels crying out for mercy on your behalf. From the mercy seat. But He wants you to be prospered spirit, soul, and body. Amen. He wants you to be whole. Not just physically healed. Not just physically helped. Not just financially helped. Although He does want all those things. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. See the correlation? You know why those people out there on the streets are not prospering? Because their soul is sick. That's why it's good to help people. We always want to help people. God's called us to help people. I say if the church as a whole, like worldwide, was doing what it's called to do, you wouldn't even need any of these programs from the government that they slip all their demonic influence in with as well. But God is calling the church to mature now from converts to true disciples. 
He's calling us to get off of the milk and onto the meat. You've probably known people all your life. They're all those some church folks over there. They may or may not be saved. I, I've never really had any ask me to go to church. <laughs> but the point is, it ain't about them. It's about you and God. About you and God. One of the great benefits to being thankful and praising God is it keeps us from being self centered. And I'll finish here. Say, I love. Yeah. I love. (laughs) Pastor Will. All right, I'm encouraged. Thank you. (laughs) Hmm. Self-centeredness is something that will cause people problems their whole life. In every part of their life. All the days of their life. And that's why we need to talk against it in the church and to help people see the alternative. Um... Because it's only if you allow it. Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So your life is going to go the predominant way of your thinking. However, you know, people say, I'm a this or I'm a that or I'm sick. I say, oh, if you say so. Because that's how you see yourself. That's why I need to talk to people before I pray for them because I need to know where they're at. You know. I know ministers that have had people chase them out of hospitals <coughs> with their crutches. God did, you're blaspheming against God. He doesn't want me well. God did this to me to teach me something. Okay. That person not going to receive your healing from you. God's willing. They weren't. See, you can see that one. That's easy, right? But there's a lot of different degrees of that. You know, how many, somebody tell that joke, how many Christians would take a screw in a, a light bulb? Just one, because they just stand there and hold it up and the world revolves around them. <laughs> <laughs> it's all in our thinking. <laughs> you know, how, you, you look at the sun sometimes. We think, oh, we're right here at the center of everything, right? The center of the universe. You look, you look at the sun. Nice. How, how big do you think that sun is? I mean, we're, we're on a big planet here. It's a little star. Wait, they about the same size? Hmm? No. The earth is like ten times smaller than, than the sun. See? You, it is smaller though, right? You know how much smaller? You could fit 1.3 million earths in the sun. <laughs> it's 
It's, I'm not talking about information or knowledge. I'm just talking about it's just all about perception. And we usually don't have it right. <laughs> I'm pretty close. But giving thanks to God is a totally unselfish action. It's just like our giving. Why? I, we, I don't, we're not ever going to get so caught up in doing things and activities in this church that we become human doings instead of human beings. We want to just be children of God and live free and happy and be a blessing. But we do always want to do things like this. Because when we give, and usually whenever I give, I, I, I don't, I'm not satisfied, or God's not until it hurts a little bit. You got if you're not giving until it hurts, you're not really there yet. Well, if it's if it's not motivated by love, it profits you nothing. It's still love. You're just battling the flesh. If it wasn't love, you wouldn't let go of it. <laughs> you're not going to feel love all the time. I don't feel love all the time for all those people under those bridges. And you don't either. When I minister to them, it's like I was telling them at their house yesterday, the same when I've been in prisons and around people that I wouldn't want in my home, I wouldn't ever want my family around. I, but something supernatural comes over you. There's an anointing there for that particular assignment from God at that time. You'll find I found myself hugging those people, laying hands on them, praying with them, and and I do have love, God's love, because He shares that with me, you know. And so, but I mean, I'm not going to stand up here and say that. Oh man, I'm just totally just <laughs> enamored with you know every everything that I'm called to to to, to do good for. You know, I, we were at a we were at a a meeting, a prophetic meeting one night at, comp- at a church in Beaumont or somewhere, and there was a bunch of ministers, and there were some other guys with us from the church, and there was one guy there from the church who he was uh, he fancied himself a prophet, but just like most of the prophets that I have come across, not not the ones that I have in my life, but the, I do know a bunch of them. They, they always, they, they're kind of weird for starters, and they get it a little mixed up, and they, a lot of them tend to uh, vacillate to the Old Covenant. They're like Old Testament prophets, and they sort of preach a little bit of hellfire and brimstone and stuff like that, and they, they just, because they have a lack of understanding of what they're really called to do. But anyway, this guy was with us, and anyway, they called for an offering, and uh, uh, anyway, some prof- some prophetic words have been given and things like that. I received one, and it was it, it blew everybody away from this this man of God. And then and then they ca- there was an offering, and and I and this other minister, two other ministers, we gave uh, you know some fairly generous offering to this. We were just we were just led to do it. And this guy, this other guy that was with us that was supposed to be a prophet and he was supposed to be called to the ministry, but I didn't really think he was. But he was, he got so mad. 
He was pouting like a little baby. He was mad. He was really, really just visibly angry. And then when we got in the car to drive home, what it was, he, he couldn't, couldn't hold it in. He, he said, well, I thought when people were hurting and in need that, you know, that those are the ones you're supposed to provide for. He, he, he was mad because we didn't give him the money. We had been giving him money. He lived in an apartment. We had been finding him jobs, job opportunities. He refused them all. But he was mad at us when we gave to God, you see. So it revealed some things in him. We don't, and it, it can reveal some things in us. So we want to make sure we're always giving. Because it's, a, it's just like with thank, thankfulness. When we give thanks to God for something. I remember telling my mom one time, God, you know, she was, she was bragging on me finally. She never did that much in my life. And, uh, <laughs> and even when I was called to the ministry. Anyway, she was sort of proud of me before she died. And she was saying so. And I, I gave the glory to God. And she goes, well, now, let's don't give him too much credit. She wanted it. I said, Mama. <laughs> Anyways, I love her. God bless her. But we just need to be thankful, folks. We need to be thankful and remember what God's done for us. Uh, my wife, Tavana, she compared us to the... Uh, the Christmas turkey that they uh, pardon at the White House every year. <laughs> We're on death row, and the Lord spared us, and we need to remember that and know it. And uh, just know that, that this is key in the Christian life. I want you to think about, are you thankful, or do you think more on the negative things? There's plenty of negative to go around. Some of us have more negative than others. Some... But you'll meet you'll meet two people with the same set of negative circumstances. One will be praising God for the things that are good in, in God in their life. The other will just be rehearsing all the victories of the devil. And all that does is strengthen his authority to do things in your life. It opens doors for him when you give... When you have more faith in what the devil can do or has done, and you would talk about it, he goes, look, he, God, he's bragging on me. He's inviting me in. You've opened doors for the enemy to come in. It's not going to fix your problems. It's very counterproductive to rehearse the victories of the enemy. It doesn't mean that nothing bad happened to you. Of course it did. And and uh, and that's that's never a pleasant thing. You're not supposed to. You know, this isn't Christian science. Somebody lops off your arm. Oh, that's not my arm. You know, that's not Christian or science. So we're we're not we're not unrealistic. We're not against doctors. We're not against science. We just never stop short of saying, "But God," you know, Amen. and know that He loves us. That we are His children, and it keeps us on the right. Uh, on the right path with him from being self-centered and negative thinking. If we get, if you just start thanking God, if you just don't feel, if you get feel depression, spirit, feel, spirit of heaviness, replace it with a garment of praise. Get up, take a shower, brush your teeth, get out in the sunshine, go find somebody to do something good for. Just go encourage somebody. Pick up the phone, call somebody you know that don't have any friends, doesn't have any much going good for them, call and just say, man, I was just thinking about you, I want you to be encouraged, 
and just, man, you've always been a blessing to me. Just something like that will take people another hundred miles. And next thing you know, you have preached yourself happy. Yes. You know, you just, you, you, because that's how God made us. And um, this is a good time of year to find ways to be a blessing to others, even when you feel like, man, it's, it's, it's my turn. Huh? I, I need to receive some blessings. Okay, if you have real needs, let me know. We'll fix you up. But we need to get out there, and I'm telling them what's going to fix your soul. Amen? Amen. Amen. <laughs> Praising God builds your faith. It runs off the devil. It ministers to God. Remember Paul and Silas, they were on one, of their, on one of their missionary trips. And there was a little girl with a demonic spirit. She, 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 uh, she was a fortune teller, basically. And she was following Paul around for a few days and saying, Now, this, this is a man of God. He's come to tell you about the, coming of, about the Lord and how to be saved and stuff like that. What she's saying wasn't untrue, but it was just really drawing attention to him. It was really aggravating, and it was in an environment that wasn't really too condoning to that. He would rather choose his own battles. So finally, after a few days, he'd turn, in the name of Jesus, come out of her, you know. And so he cast that thing out, and it, it made some people mad because that, <laughs> that spirit was making some of these guys some money. They beat them. They beat them with rods. They 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 beat them up physically. They punished them. Put him and Silas down in the dungeon, chained, shackled them, beaten. Couldn't even tend to their wounds and stuff. But they're down there singing at midnight, praising God, and people were listening to them. And they at at, at midnight. Like I said, they were singing and praising God in Acts 16.25. And then suddenly there was a great earthquake. And all the prison doors flung open. And all the chains fell off. But listen, the anointing must have been so strong in that place. Because God was definitely there. Some people say that... It, considering the circumstances, the fact that Paul and Silas were still thanking God and praising and singing to God, he must have, God must have got excited, started tapping his foot, and started causing the earthquake. All the prison doors flew open, all the chains fell off. But listen, nobody left. None of the prisoners left. Have you ever been in a situation in a church setting or something where that the anointing was so strong that you just? I don't know if you've ever seen everybody slain in the spirit. I have. I, it's a beautiful thing because it's just just God is just so thick. It's like, yeah, just the love of God. And that's what happened. And it's a good thing because this, uh, this jailer, you know, if they would have got away, he'd have been killed. That's how it was in the Roman army. But instead, he and his whole household, you know, he was saved and... There was an opportunity for his household to be saved if they would just believe on Jesus. That's another message to kill another sacred cow. But just remember that that is just a, sort of a type and shadow in the Bible for us. Natural things, natural chains fell off, natural prison doors came open. But that's what can happen for us spiritually. When we praise God, give Him thanks for everything. Instead of just wanting the glory and the credit, just start giving it to Him and mean it because He loves you. But the more you give Him credit and the more you thank Him and praise Him, 
the more He'll start showing off for you. He loves that. He loves to get the praise and the glory because He's entitled to it. He deserves it. When you tell Him He's great, He's the only one that can say, yes, I am, and and, and just still be in total humility. (laughs) Because it's just the truth. Amen. Praise God. Lord, we thank You for this day. Thank You for Your love and grace and mercy. Lord, we thank You for teaching us to have thankful hearts because it's good for us. Help us to see it as a spiritual law that is at work in this great war that we are in the midst of. And just ignoring the war just means we're going to lose the battles that we come into. But understanding the devices of the enemy and that your spiritual laws are there in place to protect us and to bless us and to help us and to get provision and peace and joy to us. It'll cause us to be thankful, Lord, and never give the enemy the glory that he's looking for by bragging on him, by rehearsing his victories in our life. But we'll all the more thank you, give you honor and glory and praise And never stop short of saying, but God, in negative situations, Lord. Because we know that you are the author of life. All the power is yours. All the provision belongs to you. You love us with an undying love and we thank you for it, Lord. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for your Holy Spirit who you've poured out for us to lead us and guide us and provide for us through this life. Until we finally with you again. In Jesus' name, amen.